0: Smoke the
1: blood, the mind, the world could be a better place And everybody took a break and we all just got wasted
0: Good afternoon, you're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM Broadcasting live from downtown New Haven We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and newhavenindependent.org We're also streaming live video on Facebook Just go to facebook.com slash Independent. Or go to your Facebook page and look us up. You can also hit see first to see and hear all the great programs that we have here on WNHH. It is Monday, February the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Lachance. I am joined by my co-host, Luis Vega. Uncle Lou, how are you today, my friend?
2: How's it going, good brother? I'm enjoying the day. I am out about, out and about in wonderful Ooh. Connecticut today. I'm actually down by the University of New Haven.
0: Oh, so- your old alma mater, Lou.
2: You know what, Joe? They're pro-cannabis. What do you want to say?
0: We, yeah. We like- we like- they weren't we like- when you went there, though.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Right? I mean...
2: Uh, yeah, brother. Like much more friendly in the aspect that they are definitely pro cannabis, brother. Like it's 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 interesting. It's it's a business. It's a way people can earn a living. It is it is something that you know you don't have to be ashamed about. We've been yelling this for ages, and it's nice to see educational institutions start to pick that up.
1: Yeah, you know what I yep.
0: mean. Especially one like UNH. You know they're a, they're a pretty. Uh...
2: Pretty
0: well accredited university, yeah. You and know, gone so, to on UCon the other U. side U. with U. the horticulture.
2: That's right, and they have a great and Yale is doing their school as well. You know, so more medicine, right?
0: So you got all the aspects there.
2: And it's it's interesting to you know continue this conversation because today's guest is right along that alley. That's what the biggest thing of it. Today's educational guest is a great dude who right am i correct or am i absolutely. wrong absolutely
0: ssdp is known i mean yeah. he works with college students like this is what's happening right now yeah. and
2: it's it's exciting to see this happen brother you know like we this is where i used to get we used to get in trouble for this type of stuff now we have students advocating for their rights we have yep. universities recognizing the excellent part of cannabis Yale University is doing tons of work through their School of Management. You know, e- uh, Eastern Connecticut State University made sure they just had their Science of Cannabis uh, conference, which was a two-day thing. Our friends from Sweet Heels spoke at that, you know. So it, it's, it's pretty cool to, to see what's happening, Joe. I'm, I'm excited. I think the future will be bright. You know, we still know there's issues going on. Let's not praise the program because, you know, we're not praising the program.
0: No, but I'm yeah, this is ancillary that we're right. talking about. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. you know, you're right. There's still a lot of problems uh, within the actual selling, you know, the recreational market. Um, But if you know what people don't realize is that. Within six months, there will be plenty of new dispensaries and growth facilities. I wouldn't say plenty, but there will be quite a few.
2: You know, and we're looking at almost 90 new locations going in the state. Right. You know, I'm going to make sure that we do say, yeah, it's 90, but only like 20 or 30 of them are actual small businesses that aren't attached to the large MSOs. But And some of them are just smaller operations that are just becoming multi-state operators i wouldn't even diss them and call them an msl what they are are you know expanding small businesses because i give a shout out to ripple wellness We give a shout out to frost cannabis these are places that only have one location in their state and they were from here they had to push out and now they found a way to do it you know what i mean exactly right shout out to new world vert you know kibra has been pushing this For so long, her dispensary is going to be her dispensary, the one that she won. You know, she's about it. She's making it happen. She's going to do what she needs to for her dispensary. Um, Big shout out to Jocelyn. You know, Jocelyn got a lot of work ahead of her and she's young and she's pushing forward and she's really trying to make sure she's part of everything that's going on. You know, her specialty, you know, she'll she'll make sure everything is within that portion of it. I, you know, big shout out to Janice Janice Fleming out in Hartford. Let's grow Hartford. There is no partnership. There it is, her, her, it's and all her. her. It's you know, big shout out to Let's Grow Hartford. They're going to create a small campus in Hartford. This is this is where it's becoming fine someone. Fettle,
0: fine Fettle, Ben. Well, we you know we like that. Even Sweet yeah. has oh uh, big Himalayan High in Massachusetts. Yep, they just. Got that license, so... uh, You know, it's good for them. I I think what people got to realize is the amount of jobs this is going to bring to the state and the amount of work for people who have maybe always wanted to get in the cannabis industry, but there weren't opportunities, or they didn't know how, or people who want to make a career change. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for all those type of people.
2: You're 100% right about that. And all the people that didn't want to go into industry because of the industry because of the established players. Joe, mm-hmm. so if, if there was a good opportunity in cannabis, I would have jumped on the legal job to have.
0: Now, me too. Me too. I know, couldn't.
2: We couldn't. And now there's going to be opportunities for those individuals who don't want to work with the established players. They can work in a place that they can. Workforce development space advocating space actually taking a job working in some of the dispensaries or cultivation facilities that you're cool with working you know delivery options like it's it's it became it becomes a roadway to at least get into it and plus more people working in the field you may not like the system but you're working in it but you can help change it from within you know what i mean so right that's the thing most of those people are not going to advocate for you individually. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the Cure leaf, the Thera Plants, the Veranos, they're not going to advocate for the small mom and pop dispensaries. They're not going to sm- advocate for the smaller growers They're going to try and
0: put them out of business.
2: Exactly. You know, and, you know. We buy them up. And talk, right. And we sit here and we talk. And one of the biggest things you and I talk about, and I talk to everybody, is, I'm a grower. I have never told somebody not to grow. Weed. That's the right. one thing I've always preached. Go out and grow your own weed. Yeah. You're going to probably still shop. If you make your own liquor, you're still going to go to the liquor store and pick something up. I don't think that it's a huge issue to have home cultivation in a state with adult use market. I think everybody should be able to grow. You know, um, I'm one of those think, individuals yeah. that makes sure people have weeds to grow all the time if you can grow or at least learn if you want to grow right something right To grow to say they grew and then never grow again
0: well yeah i was one of those you know? people i grew and it wasn't <laughs> so good and i never grew again
2: <laughs> there you go you know but you'll buy good cost-effective wheat, though, right you'll go out there and buy good cost-effective cannabis right
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think now it's more important than ever that people do learn to grow, especially the medical patients, because I'm reading, I read an article and I shared it today that the medical dispensaries are suffering from a big lack of product right now. I think that,
2: well, I think that there's a, so I believe that they have a small menu of product where right. they have ample supply of that small product. So what so did they just, do?
0: Cut down the menu for the medical patients in order to take care of the uh, adult use
2: market? The adult use market's even smaller than the medical market. There's 28 SKUs total for the adult use market. So it's three, it's, I think it's like uh, seven, seven, and seven, oh, nine, 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 and nine. So it's three That's drinks, it. three sizes, three baits, three sizes. Three, um, three edibles, three sizes, and that's then the oh, yeah, that's it. It's teeny tiny. You know, both menus are small, but it sucks that they are so stuck in that place. And that's why we're advocating, even on our side, to allow us <coughs> to open a little bit sooner, so that we can actually put things on shows.
0: Right. You know, the, right. The Department
2: of Consumer Protection has to allow us to actually start growing a little bit. You know. Because we're not growing yet. We're still jumping through hoops. You know, we're just getting real estate. We're establishing what we're going to do. Not one of us individual owners has plants in the ground yet. You know what I mean? So,
0: right. See, that's the thing. You guys all may have gotten licenses and are in process, but nobody's even got their plants in the ground yet, you know?
2: Nope. And then you figure another five months after that, at minimum, bare minimum. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's it's tough because even autos, autos take um from seed like 90 days, 101 days from seed. So the moment the seed comes up, where veg plants, oh, they're like, oh, they're 60 days. Well, they're 60 right. days from flip. You can keep it in veg for three months, two months, one month. You can do whatever you want in that space, but the quickest turnover on a photo plant is two weeks in germination two and a half weeks in the beginning part of like seedling phase. And then you figure six weeks in veg, which the plant's not going to get huge, but it'll be enough to give you one or two nice, nice nugs, you know, a big cola and a little down there and then switch it over to flower. Right. You know, and it's being grown in cocoa core. So it's not necessarily the best. And that's that, that's the recipe for that. dispensary weed. That's horrible. Like what we we're going to do, it, we got to make sure as individuals, we got to make sure we put actual time into these plants, put a little bit of love into these plants. You know right, what I mean? Not like, so
0: industrially um, cultivated.
2: Right. We need to make sure. And this is my advice for everybody that's going into it, at least now, is, and even for the home grower. You know, you're going to grow your plant a couple of weeks and then you're going to top it. So that way you get a nice, even canopy on that plant. So now it's got to rebound for two weeks. And it's another two weeks you want to clean it up. Top it again, probably. Now you got like four, or five heads. Then you're gonna make right. sure it cleans up and it rock for another four weeks. Now we're into two and a half months into veg. That's already past that dispensary. Oh, five weeks and flip, right? You know, so right. that's what the idea of taking care of your plants and
0: growing so. it right, growing it in the proper way. And um, yeah, no. Now one more question before I bring Jason on. Would it be possible, let's say, for a grower, a new spent new grower to start the crop from seed in a in a different location before their location is built out. And then oh, once no. it's built and you can't right. Nah man, the Department of Consumer Protection will not allow
2: any of that. And that you know what it's rightfully so. You know, it sucks for me, it sucks for everybody, but it's rightfully so. I can't even argue about it. Because if you start the plants and they get disease, and then you transfer the disease to your facility, those plants are tainted from the very beginning.
0: And you can't use clones either, right?
2: You can use clones as long as they're clean and you can get them when you... So, like, if you open your facility, as long as they're within the guidelines, under eight inches, um, not fully established, you can get cuttings, yeah.
0: Okay. So, there are ways to maybe make it go a little quicker, but regardless, you're looking at six months...
2: Right. If you want quality, you know, we, we talk about growing all the time. There's always a grower on. There's always somebody talking, you know, that veg stage. The plant can take a lot of abuse and go through it. But why should it? You know, it should be taken care of. It should be well watched after so that we can actually get good products on the shelves versus product that's rushed through the formula
0: and just flipped. You know right. what I mean, right? Right, and you can always check on the label; it will tell you when it was harvested. Oh, yeah. you, you know, you can look at all that and all
2: and that information is on there: the dry time, the cure time. When it's like, oh, it was harvested a week ago, and it's in the container already to me.
0: That, yep. that that cannabis wasn't I've never really seen more than a two-week cure on anything, dude. Right, like why From the dispensaries? That makes, and that's a big thing.
2: That's a huge thing. So now on the adult use market, I think that we'll be able to at least use that information where we can't advertise. Fully in all the ways but I think that the better, Best way is going to be that We're going to be able to advertise it as Vintages you know like this right. Was harvested out of room One on 2002 And we let it here for Three months and there's only X amount Like that's what we got to get to It's the not about rush cannabis in,
0: Into the dispensaries You know and
2: if we can only Do it by uh, Highlighting the highlighting the the date that it was harvested and the date it actually got in the bottle then that's what we got to do because the way the right. market's right. set up is the dcp is they're controlling everything man and so it's right. a huge pain in the butt to try to do anything all right because um, they don't know what they're doing right so now with more established people coming on we'll, we'll see where it goes and this is where you know we either have to put up or shut up you know what i mean brother
0: That's it. That's it. And, you know, you know, we're just working towards that one step at a time. Let's let's get our guests on, brother. All right. With us today is our good friend, Jason Ortiz. Jason is SSDP's executive director. In addition to being a longstanding alumnus, Jason has been on the front lines of the cannabis equity movement. Jason is a founder and president of Minority Cannabis Business Association, where he led efforts to create model cannabis equity policies at the state and municipal levels. While he comes with extensive drug policy expertise, Jason has experience on organizing on numerous issues, including his role as director of campaigns with murder victims' families for reconciliation. He worked to end capital punishment. He also served on the National Puerto Rican Agenda, where he helped with Hurricane Maria relief efforts and continues to address issues of economic justice for his island. Professionally, Jason has led over a dozen races for elected office as campaign manager and political consultant and served as executive assistant to minority leader, Wildemar brewer of of hart Woman Will. You were so good up to that one, oh, man. <laughs> of the Bermudas, Hart- yeah. Okay, of the Hartford, Connecticut, Co- common uh, court of common council. All right, Jason, it's welcome kind of to intro. the show. Thank you for coming on; much, much appreciated. You know, I wanted to bring you on because there is just so much going on in the cannabis industry now with recreational. I mean, adult use cannabis being approved and the system finally being put into place and the legislative systems uh, session opened up uh, of course this year and it is jam-packed by more than we've ever seen it right
1: jam-packed full of bills for better or worse for cannabis. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we have almost 30 bills that use the word cannabis in some form. There's an additional seven that mention marijuana in some form. So we're going to have 30 plus bills to watch. And, you know, definitely some of them are going to be more likely to have legs than others. And some of them are just clearly spiteful people <laughs> that are mad yeah. that cannabis exists. Right. And right, so, right. right. Um, you know i'll go over some of the negative ones so we can kind of just burn through those first i think right and so there is a bill to repeal the entire legal market <laughs> right from the republicans from the republicans yes and so uh, i don't think that that one has traction uh we're definitely way past the point of being able to put that genie back in the bottle uh they're deciding to use their time to to talk about that and to continue to push to recriminalize however they can right so just right. Make that Republican Party has not given up on that. Um, They're going to continue to keep pushing the same strategy that has failed for many years. And despite that, they're going to keep doing it anyway. Uh, So, you know, when you do get a chance to talk to Candelora, the various leadership in the Republican Party, you know, definitely let them know that you're disappointed that they chose to do that even after legalization is in effect. It's wasting Mm -hmm. taxpayer money. It's wasting everybody's time to have to talk about these different bills. um, And, you know.
0: We, yeah, it looks like they they put in that one omnibus. It looks like an omnibus bill. But then they there are also other Republicans who put in smaller bills with the same stuff, right yes. but as separate entities. And we'll go over which ones they are because I think one of them comes up for a hearing. This week, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
1: Yeah, and so it's actually going to be a hearing specifically on penalties and regulation associated to driving under the influence.
0: Educational uh,
1: programs,
0: or something like that, to educate people on the 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 evil effects of driving. Like, I think I have it right here: uh, an act concerning driver education on the dangers on the dangers of driving under the influence of cannabis now that was a part of the republican bill Mm -hmm. that was in there and so they separated it out and for some reason this bill actually made it to hearing i mean Uh,
1: yeah you know and different republicans you know get to have some say in which of their bills get pulled up and so for whatever reason this one got pulled up in that particular committee and, you know, it is important that we do engage honestly when it comes to drug education and the difficulties or potential risks associated with consuming and then driving. We, we agree that we don't want anybody to get hurt on the road, you know, mm-hmm. because of any reason that they're there, right? It could be from, you know, not paying attention. They could be on their cell phone. They'd be trying to get a snack. They could, you know, crash for lots of different reasons. And cannabis consumers are no different. And so mm-hmm. it is important that cannabis consumers fully understand the risk associated with the road because it can be deadly, right? And so right, I'm not necessarily opposed to having cannabis education as part of our driving schools, as part of all of our schools, right? Like as long as that education is grounded in science, mm-hmm. reason, and compassion. Right? And, and, and not propaganda, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the other way to say it, is that it's not blatant propaganda, right? And so that's where you know, the details of this and you can hear by the framing of the way they're talking about is the dangers associated, right? Right. That's already kind of taking a bit of an unnecessarily negative tone um, because there's dangers associated with driving a vehicle completely unintoxicated. Right. And so we do want to engage, you know, honestly, where we should be talking about these different pieces and normalizing cannabis use within society it does include making sure people have classes on various types of education that they should get on it, both how the yeah. plant operates, how in your professions you should or should not be using it, how it might help or hurt a particular situation. Um, so for everyone, I do encourage everyone to speak up to, you know, ask their representatives to have a position on this particular bill in that however they decide to do this, if there is education, that it is grounded in science, reason, and compassion, right? And that's how right. we move forward. So this right. is one of those weird ones that's like, this could be a good bill if I had some kind of faith <laughs> that they would implement it effectively. And But because I don't have a lot of faith in that, it is concerning that this should happen. So, you know, asking for the bill to produce more details, right? Like we can't pass this until we get more details on exactly what it is that they want to do is an approach or just saying no, right? That being said, we can't say no forever to driver education on cannabis. No, So how
0: about we have a hand in writing that driver education, just like you wrote the bill. In other words, yeah, let's, who's gonna give this driver education? Why don't you, will you put the contract up for bid or something like that? And let maybe somebody from the cannabis industry have some input on what this education would include, not just AAA, you know, maybe they'll call sure. AAA and go, AAA, can you give us a class? And you know what it's going right? to be, right? You know, liability well, reduction, yeah. <laughs> well, that's
2: exactly what it's going to be. And you know, you guys are 100%, 100% right on all of that. the The problem is right now people are still getting arrested for all of that. They have systems in place to identify if you're under the influence. You know, they I think that they they are looking to go an extra step and ultra criminalize something that's as simple as they already have testing for it. You know what I mean? I've gotten pulled over and have gotten a DUI for marijuana. Like it's it happens. <laughs> that's why I think this is so much overkill.
0: Like they yeah. just And there are are more bills in there that even restrict it more, right? I know you're going to get to those. But yeah, it seems like to me, Lou, since they can't get us for carrying it around anymore and possessing it, they've got to find another way to get us, arrest us, basically, or give us a ticket or whatever. So,
2: if, If I got pulled over today
0: smoking a joint
2: and the guy looked at me and said, I think you're high. There is no way in hell that he is going to look at me and say, you're free to go. I can't charge you because I, it's, I don't know how to tell if it's marijuana or something else. Right. He's going to say driving while impaired, whatever it is. You're too right. sleepy. You, got, you had too much cough syrup. You took too much of your medicine. Driving while impaired. Use of marijuana will go right. I've gotten that ticket before. I've gotten arrested for that. So right. they are when they're like, oh, we don't know. I, I call I call flim flam on you not knowing. Don't claim ignorance to push things along and make it harder for everything because you do know what it is. And it's right. silly that they're making everybody jump through these hoops and then putting it in the law is going to make it even harder to do anything.
0: Right. You know, like they're just <laughs> looking for ways yes looking for ways
1: and i think if you look at representative holly cheeseman's bill specifically it is very clear she is looking for ways to further criminalize you know because there's all kinds of things around making sure you have a cannabis course to get your license it's like okay so it's already going to be hard enough to get light let's make it even harder for young people to get a license right there's (laughs) also uh, about penalizing anyone driving that has any amount of cannabinoid in their system And obviously it stays in your system for 30 days. So I could have smoked two weeks ago. If you make me take a drug test driving, I'll likely fail even if I haven't smoked in two weeks. And so they already know that these laws don't make sense. We've debated this many times. I know Representative Cheeseman has been in hearings with me where we talk about these details many times. And so it is not a good faith effort most of the time. That being said, we don't want to wave off some of these issues as like unimportant issues, and we should address them honestly, but not the way that they're using it as a punishment for folks that just happen to be consuming cannabis. That's right. abundantly clear. Uh, and so, yeah, but you know, th- there's a lot of those. I don't foresee a lot of them moving forward, but I do recommend folks just go to cga. So sorry, ct.cga.gov. You can do a quick bill search, put in the word cannabis, 30 different bills will pop up. You'll see yep. all the bad ones and the good ones. And that is definitely a good starter. So you can see how folks are writing the different bills, how they describe them, who's co-sponsoring them. And one of the things that you can do is have your representative co-sponsor the bills you think make sense. So if you go through those 30 bills and you say, oh, this one's pretty cool. This is the one that's about cannabis cafes by Representative Baumgartner. I'd like my rep to sign on to that. You can just email them or call their office and request that they co-sponsor. They may or may not do it, right? But you can at least ask them uh, and put that pressure on.
2: You know, I'm happy you brought up that bill as well. That's, you know, good bill, bad bill, nope, but it addresses a topic Mm -hmm. that should move forward. And this is where not just call, this is where a little call to action comes into play, all right? This is restaurant owners, bar owners, lounge owners. You may not be in the cannabis industry, but very shortly, you might possibly be able to be in the cannabis industry. These are things that- creating these right laws for lounging and gathering can go a really long way for people who own property Can go a really long way for if you don't have a cultivation license and you want to be in the cannabis space, but you own a bar, you might want to lobby around some of that. Have your representative, your local councils, your local business chambers. Like now it's not that you're a cannabis entrepreneur or activist. You're a business that understands that this could be, lucrative or in, inclusive or gathering that's the same reason why a lot of these places now have keno you know a bar that might not have been doing well allows the the kino or the or whatever other scratchers or they join the CT lottery program it's a bar but now there's gambling involved you know it it brings them extra revenue and creates a gathering place now if they're able to actually have a space to allow cannabis um consumption you know i have a friend that's got a bar didn't do well they introduced the the connecticut lotto system and that brought some people and then now they also have a large patio in the back that's not used at all but it's it's away from everything it's at least 100 feet from a tap and you know like they could use that space to
1: host cannabis and, and so that that bill number is 5728 uh, the one by Andre and Robin Porter actually is uh, yep. right, Robin. Yes, Robin. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Robin Porter, State Representative Porter. Always stay in Well, strong. I always He's said consumption
0: lounges had to had to be brought up, and I'm really glad she did. Really yeah, that's a good bill. That's a positive one. All yeah, right. I
1: think that that is that is like sort of the political moment we're at, right? It's like, okay, we've moved past on whether or not we're gonna legalize. Now we're talking about all the details and all the different possibilities and creating new possibilities. Right, like we're in right. a space now where we can come up with new programs and new ways of doing things. Right, and right. that is a you know a good place to be. You know, love or hate the details of the legalization or the industry or whatever. Right, we're definitely in a space now where anybody can submit or recommend a change, and we can get it you know to move. So you know that's a big one. Uh, I also want to highlight five four five seven with Anthony Nolan, state representative Anthony Nolan. That would help to get folks released who are currently incarcerated for cannabis. Mm-hmm. Or if folks are on probation or parole, or if you went back in because you violated your probation or parole from a failed drug test, right? And so it covers a lot of different people that could be just caught up in the system. The idea is that we want everyone to be removed from government supervision for anything that is now legal. And so so
2: just a quick for that one, that's huge because think of, I got drug tested every week. When I was, you know what I mean? Every week, every time I, they came down, they either went to the farm to see if I was at work or if I, what I was growing, because they already had prejudice that I was a hemp farmer. I They'd come down and say, piss in the cup. Came up dirty every time, only for weed. No, and, but yeah. they made sure they checked me for everything to make sure of it, because they're like, oh, but I can piss test you for it. I had my medical card, which was my big thing. So make sure you get yourself a medical card and you're on the system now. Imagine if my medical card lapsed one week. Yep. That would have been the chance to throw me back in jail for eight years. Right. Like,
1: right exactly so hb so 5457 like definitely get folks to co-sponsor that we need to have that conversation because we legalize this entire industry and there's still people in prison for doing way less than what folks did on opening day alone and so making sure that we write that wrong is definitely something we can do the right. key part there is and this is where it gets politically weird is that we don't know exactly how many people are in prison because we've shifted how we classify all these different crimes right, right, times right. over the years, it's hard to just kind of do a Google search, although I think AI can help us in this. <laughs> I actually think this is the, the answer to how this happens, right? And we're going to try to push for that as part of the solution here. But there's lots of different ways that folks could be still incarcerated or under supervision that wouldn't come up specifically at just searching original mm-hmm. conviction cannabis. Right, So there's a lot of different things we have to figure out. That being said, the governor submitted this number of 40,000 plus expungements that he believes are gonna be automatically or near automatically expunged. So his office has some idea of who these folks are and the different details of how they went about getting that number. And if there's 40,000 expungements, there are still lots of people under supervision or currently incarcerated. Oh yeah, I don't right. know if It's five or 5,000 or more. So we are calling on all reps to get that answer. The idea that we open up an industry and we don't even know how many people are in prison for cannabis is absurd and unnecessary, right? We can know that. We can find out how many people. And so that's another part of this particular bill is that data and that information and finding them and helping them get out, right? And so that's going to be a big one uh, for me for SSDP is really focusing on that particular piece
0: right 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 now i see there's also a bill to allow cbd to be sold in dispensaries
1: which is kind of wild that that's not already the case honestly but yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so that's another one we should get behind right yep. um, 100%. Yes. yeah um 100
1: it's a huge
2: issue actually in the state the cbd not being able to be sold like the department of consumer protection has cited people fees have been paid like they've kicked people out of dispensaries They don't let us. And then at that, they don't even buy product from Connecticut farmers because they don't have to follow any of those regulations that they buy it cheap out of state. Right.
1: CBD is like definitely in most strains, you know, like, like the, the the chemical, right? Like it's just, it's so dumb. This is again, where like the way we go about drug policy just makes zero sense in this Like, And then (laughs)
2: it doesn't even limit because it doesn't even limit out of state products. So if you have, so when Sarah plant, Buys a liter of distillate from Colorado and then puts it into their system and makes all their CBD products because it's just there. It'll be their vape pen, their CBD edibles, their CBD consumables. Because they won't have a flower, now they're able to sell those products which were just manufactured in state under their cannabis license. But they won't allow a hemp product manufactured in state under a hemp license. Yeah. Exact yeah. same product.
1: That's
2: <laughs> dumb. And that's the regulation and the gatekeeping that they have on such a closed industry. So now, for a hemp farmer or a hemp manufacturer to get into a dispensary to just get shelf space, we're not even saying you need a recommendation. This is just a side product, so that you don't have to pay fifty dollars for a CBD vape pen that's only ten milligrams. You can pay fifty bucks for a three thousand milligram vape pen Pocket that was produced. <laughs> right with all the cbd in it you want because let somebody because i i i sell cbd for 10 bucks a gram a thousand milligrams is less than 10 bucks bro like that's <laughs> you, there should be no reason why a 500 milliliter uh is over 10 bucks you know like this is a nutraceutical it's not a and that's what they do in the dispensary they'll say well this is a thousand milligrams it's a hundred dollars you know and then you're like wait a second Wait a second. And that's <laughs> yeah. you know, they like that they like that that control over
0: it. Right. I protect right. those margins. Yep. And speaking now of uh like hemp farmers, I think this <laughs> one is a little bit too little, too late to allow the hemp farmers to start uh producing recreationally. I mean it, it's it's a nice thought, well-
1: but I mean, you know, like we're in this year, right? But like passing it now is how they're able to do it next year, right? So, so nothing is like too little too late, right? Like Chris said the same thing for home grow, but this July 1st, everybody gets home grow.
2: Everyone gets home grow.
1: Ah, right. right. Um, Putting that out there because that was a win. So they were, oh, man, we got to delay it's this. It's a big sucks. win.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, in less than five months, we're going to be growing cannabis. Everybody, I, and everybody hears me say it. You need clones they'll be that first day i'll be probably give out 100 clones you know just some personal stuff that i just if somebody's like yo
0: i'm
2: pick up a bunch like i i'll give i'll give probably max three per person and this is what i've been throwing around i guess everybody's hearing it first right now um yeah but like that first day the same way the first day of rec sales i gave away clones that first day of, of adult i mean first day of a medical grow i gave away clones I'm gonna give away clones. The same thing, like everybody should grow. You should come get two everybody clones. Should you should grow. go
1: caroling and like bring patients clones. You know, like well, that'll you- be adult they-
2: use <laughs> individuals, not even patients. This is where
1: it gets fishy, oh, and a lot of people
2: get some because I don't mix my words. I'm adult use.
1: <laughs> I, I think maybe. that the patients will most welcome it. <laughs> yes, and they and can speaking- all get it too. Of
0: Patients, here's something that also happens on July 1st that a lot of people don't realize is yes, that sir. You, the, the fee to get a medical card is going to be removed. So you now in the state of Connecticut, besides what you have to pay the uh, re- recommending doctor, will be able to get a medical card for free. No more $100. So those are two good things. Yeah. Happening on the same day for both sides, for the adult use side and for the medical side.
2: And let's, so, if you have a medical card. card in state, currently, if you have a medical in state, you can grow. Yeah. And you can have you can purchase five ounces, right. of shitty weed. Um, <laughs> <it's> really
1: bad.
2: <laughs> Tell us how you
1: really feel, Lou.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so well, the the four producers just do horrible job at producing. Yeah. It's it just what it is. Well,
1: um what, one of them ex- probably going away r.i.p yeah yeah, well, no. yeah somebody will buy sad. them up
2: listen somebody's gonna buy them and it'll just be rebranded um yeah that's all that's yep. gonna end up happening and that's where it's sad but they don't like the current cannabis on the market it's only got two weeks here it's not and this is where the next round of growers that come in will have to make sure they change that mm-hmm. like i'm gonna we're gonna make sure we do vintages you know we run we run two or three rooms of this product get a couple hundred pounds off of it that it would take a little bit longer but now we let it cure for three or four months and it's a vintage at this point you know like now this right. is that first one and but and because you know, you're
0: brand new you can set up your facility with smaller rooms unlike these big or you know the the growers now the giant size of their canopy they have huge rooms there, just filled with the same strain. Well,
2: What's- the rooms aren't
0: too bad. They their their
2: rooms are like uh, two thousand square foot. They currently grow in, and they do like mono strains in most of the rooms. And that's you know that's where it gets that it's pushed. So the way that it's currently grown is they'll do five weeks of veg, so they'll get the plant to eight inches. Do five weeks of veg. And then they'll let the plant run after five weeks, flip it into flower and flower six to ten weeks, depending on the strain. The plants kind of stretch; they don't really get really dope, dope, dope nugs. They're still using old HPSs, you know. Like there's, there's a reason why the bud comes out the way the bud comes out, and then building a facility today versus building a facility seven years ago. We'll a lot, like we're going to do high pressure uh, LEDs, really dope mixed use LEDs that are, they're a little expensive, but they last longer than HPS. You know, if you run an HPS, you get one or, yeah, the electricity bill is crazy, but you only get like two turns out of the light before you start seeing diminishing returns. You know, the moment the light's six, seven months old, it starts to diminish return on it. So where it used to give you a pound per light, now it's at, at the end cycle of a year. It's, a, it's half a pound per light because they're not as strong
0: and they fizzled out, right? So, so that's the benefit of this new LED technology,
1: right? Yeah. But if you grow it at home, you can use new LEDs and grow that every time. <laughs> every time, <laughs> and, baby. So I, I'm, I'm the home grow piece because there is... It's not the hardest plant to grow in the world, but it's not necessarily the easiest or the simplest plant to harvest and actually consume it. And so I do want to shout out to Duncan and uh, Representative Comey and Representative Elliot, Josh Elliot, our friend from Hamden, for their bill 5725. So 5725 is a good one that has a lot of different things in it. Uh, It's very clearly requested items from the grassroots if you read the bill, but to be specific, I just want to let folks know. So is to address the quality control issues of stemming from the amounts of mold and bacteria that is currently available. To address, uh, to create a more robust palliative use and marijuana caregiver program. That's very important. To establish special permits that enable cannabis vendors to sell cannabis at events and organize events. Had many of those in the state. To allow hemp products to be produced in the state to sold in dispensaries and provide for additional micro cultivator and dispensary licenses. So it's got a lot of different things in it and some of them will move easier than others, but you know, 5725, you wanna take a bill that has a bunch of different things on it and and think about focusing on that one. It is representatives Comey and representative Josh Elliott. Josh Elliott knows full well about the cannabis industry Mm -hmm. and all the different details of it. And so that one's gonna be really interesting. Caregiver programs are a way for folks that are unable to grow their own cannabis for themselves to designate somebody else as their grower. And so that's, is that's
0: one important. Yeah, that's very, very important. Now, I also see, I think it was Juan Candelaria who put a bill in for only one lottery um, ticket per ticket person, per person yeah. which is good. And then there was another bill to reform the lottery system, but in a different way, I think that was put in by had Rojas. to do
1: with the, it's, I mean, you're better off just limiting it to one, but what it did was create graduating fees. So if you start to put in... 10 or 20 or 30 lottery tickets that the fee goes up. So it disincentivizes okay. people.
0: So I think the one for one is the one we should be getting behind from one. Yeah, come lottery. I
1: mean, like, yes, I, we can talk about what the second lottery should look like, right? Like the amount of lottery tickets is a piece of that, right? Mm-hmm. But the total number of licenses, how the licenses are distributed, like, are we talking geographic at all, right? Because, you know, I'm here in New London, Connecticut. And we need to get shit out of the lottery. Oops, sorry. I was supposed to swear on the radio. <laughs> but, right. right. Right, you know, like Ladlu already he's, did it. So <laughs> Eastern Connecticut didn't really get that much, right? Where other places maybe you know more concentrated, and so, so yeah, good. No, 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 no. You're one hundred percent
2: right, bro. Like I was gonna completely piggyback off how how that area really didn't get anything, and there's a lot of good people out there doing things. You know what I mean? Like you're out in that area, and and even the 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 cities were very shocked that nothing came out there because the towns and cities out there are very receptive. If I'm not wrong, like I believe yeah. Norwich, Norwich Nor- was actually at the last cannabis thing. And oh, yeah. so it's something I'm actually like, I have, I have one extra EJV and you know, we're, you guys know we're focused right now in the middle of the state and the bottom of the state. And like, I'm really intrigued with that area. And I look forward to um to hopefully seeing that, that area really flourish and, I know it drops a little extra information, but to see that New London is now accepting cruise liners again.
1: Mm-hmm. So big London's time. one of the only places that has a deep port in the entire state. Uh, so when it comes right. to like, shipping things around. And so, yeah, New London, Norwich, Willimantic, right? Like there are a lot of towns that are very welcoming and we just got very little. So, but that second lottery, if and when it happens, right? Because like there's going to be a lot of details on that. You know, there are different approaches we can take for it, right? And since there are so many different license types, it can be a focus on particular license types that didn't get as filled Mm -hmm. out before, you know, whether it's new license types like these cafes or just additional rights onto other license types, right? Like there's lots of ways that we can go about amending that and making it better. um, Right, I think that's
0: an important issue that has to be dealt with because the last lottery thing was just a mess, a cluster, you (laughs) know. It was horrible, you know. I was yeah. talking about it every weekend, you know, all upset. We talk about what they did, what they, the way they implemented it, it. So it was
2: rough because all of that only happened for such a small part of the lottery, right? Like, and that was the hyper focus on it because the retail and the micro growers got all the applications, which created a huge disparity on the quote-unquote the non-desirable licenses
0: Mm -hmm. the 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 delivery right the food production yeah there's still good
2: licenses there's still good licenses they're still going to produce and then i look forward to seeing how legislation can change with some of the more quote-unquote non-desirable licenses how opening up some things to a delivery license and opening up some things to a transporter license and opening up some new things to like the food and beverage producers like just I think that one of the most versatile licenses in the entire program is the food and beverage license yeah I I will I think it is if somebody is a mom and pop just trying to get in and it's the same way we looked at it when you were in the black like if if you know maybe if people were in the legacy world (laughs) but opening an edible brand is how so many people get their foot into the into the the game because now you're making the edible versus buying flour from
0: somebody else
2: and then flipping it that way and i think you said if
0: you get the license you can now sell the dispensaries right so now
2: this is where you're at so you're see your food and beverage very small startup fee ultimately in the grand scale because you're not accepting people into your place you have more accessibility to real estate um, the startup costs are much lower because you can do a literal startup with a commercial kitchen that started out. So if you already have a commercial kitchen set in place, you have pans, molds, everything, and you, or even if you have to buy them. They're not ridiculous, but you can start a food and beverage license with minimal much investment. Like I've done models that for 200000 you can be turnkey in six months you know what i mean so this is something that gets you in place now with that now you have intellectual property that can flow through which that's immeasurable because that can be the same size as the full-scale hundred thousand square foot cultivation facility can strike the same licensing deal that maybe a food and beverage producer you know a food and beverage producer now can sell to all the dispensaries and the and and wherever else in the future hopefully so now hopefully if the, you know, hopefully if the delivery license gets augmented through legislation, delivery license should be able to hold their own product. Currently they yeah, can't hold true. their own product, but imagine once one. they can. Imagine once they can. And now they're to Massachusetts they can,
1: I believe. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, we they, already they have they can warehouse products and purchase them themselves at wholesale and then deliver and like exactly game changer. So, like that's that that's that a big real one nice. that if we wanted to talk that's about current straight life. up crack right yeah
0: <laughs> that's straight up crack i love it one last You're bill jason crap. before we gotta go we got about five or six minutes left what is an ombudsman will you please tell uh, me sure. what an So ombudsman an, an ombudsman
1: is. is a spokesperson for an industry right and so this is the person that can tell the government what it is that the industry could use to be more effective, to grow, to hire more people, to be more profitable. They generally have a staff that can kind of work through some of the policy considerations and propose policy you know, solutions to different problems. And so this person, this role that Jason Ross, did create a bill to create this role. This person would also be the place where if you had a complaint about the industry, you would bring it to this person and hopefully get that addressed. And if it's a widespread problem, the ombudsman can take that on and make it a priority for them to solve. So it's like a public mm-hmm. advocate in a lot of ways, but it is an official entity within the government. So it does have certain powers that like a regular advocate wouldn't have. It could compel, but it really depends on the details of how they create the position to be clear, right? But it could compel different government agencies to give them money. It could get funded with different programs. It could work some... Sort of relationship with the social equity council, you would assume that this role would do that. Um, and so if this person is genuinely trying to improve the program, it can be fantastic, and this could be a really great place where things can get addressed, where improvements to the program can happen, where social equity operators can go to this person in particular and say, I need help with a particular problem. Uh, on the flip side of this, and this is always where I get really worried about the implementation piece of it, If that person is there to simply squash public dissent or to not address particular things, or they're just operating in the best interest of the industry because or themselves as watchdog of the industry. If your watchdog gets co-opted, it can be really terrible because then they become the person that all of your complaints will die at their committee. Right. And they're there as the HR for the industry and explaining why you're getting screwed and what your options are rather than changing anything. So, I'm, and that is a government-paid yes, position. Yes, yeah, full-time.
0: So, do fact, you think no, something like go, this full-time. is necessary in Connecticut, or is it a waste of taxpayer money And anti- because who's going to pay for it?
1: I think. How would I answer? It gets
2: this? passed to taxes, which gets passed sure. to the culture. It gets passed to the industry, and which gets kind passed of, to the. Individual. I mean,
1: I, I wouldn't say that every government position gets passed down to the industry paying for it. Cause you could say that about teachers and, and everything and yep. talk about taxes, right? But if I wasn't so cynical about how the implementation has gone so far, it is a good mm. idea. It, it is an idea that we had in a previous version as the office of justice reinvestment, where this person would be there to oversee making sure the programs that were claimed to be implemented are actually implemented. And Mm. so things like community investment, making sure that happens. So the role can do a lot of different things. The problem is who appoints the position, right? right? It's the governor that appoints the position. We're in trouble, right? Because the governor does not want to see a lot of the things that we want to see in the industry, right? And so it's difficult to see where this particular role doesn't get a person that sucks, right? Like, I'm not sure how we can ensure that it's a good person in that role. And history has shown us that they are not putting good, strong people in these various positions or putting good people in positions and then setting them up to fail. So I'm very concerned that Connecticut will screw up another good idea. It's kind of how I feel about this. Um, I'm not sure any other state would, would be great at either. But I do think the idea philosophically is... Can be helpful. It's just really hard to control, right? Because in, in theory, the Department of Consumer Protection is supposed to be protecting the consumer. And they should, should be doing it, or right. the Social
0: Equity Committee. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think it's just another added layer to make up for the deficits of the DCP and the Social Equity Committee. Because how many how many red regulatory figures do we need? You know what I mean? I mean, right. I. Don't know. And that's where and, I'm coming with that.
1: But it is going to have, in theory, and again, get all depends on the details, would have different powers in the Social Equity Council, could be staffed with folks that are more like waste, fraud, and abuse investigators, right? Like the Attorney General's role, you know, something to that effect. And, you know, those entities have been helpful in the past, right? But, like, uh, the idea that it's just, like, another office to get co-opted, pretty valid. You know like yeah, yeah. and right, so right. i i wouldn't be rushing out to make this happen i think the idea makes sense um we would just need someone in the executive branch that would actually appoint someone to do a good job right like yeah, that's exactly. not there for that so when we start thinking of the next governor the people that are running next uh you know that's definitely an important consideration yeah i don't think happened. it's time now i don't think i don't think the program's well developed but
0: anyway we're getting close to time Um, Real quick, any last thoughts? And uh, how does people get in touch with you if they want to get any more insight on these bills or a little bit of, you know, guidance on how to go up and, you know, be an advocate?
1: Sure. So yeah, (laughs) Jason at ssdp.org is my email. Just really going to push HB5457. We're working on it with the last prisoner project. You can help us get folks out of prison because no matter all these business details are all well and good. Nobody should be sitting in prison for cannabis ever until there's only, even if there's one person in prison, we got a lot of work to do. So HB5457, ask your reps to co-sponsor. We continue Mm -hmm. to do this work until everybody is free. All right. And they can find you all on social media as well, Instagram,
0: Facebook. So if they want to contact you, you are easily available. And I'm sure they can find you up at the uh, at the Capitol uh, at least once or twice a week. Work in the streets, (laughs) Jason. You know, I got to say, you're one of the guys who stuck with it. You're always out there. You're a true leader in this industry. We really appreciate what you do, not only for the cannabis industry in Connecticut, but through your work with SSDP, you know, training the young people. My producer says we have to say bye. Any final words, Uncle Lou? Stay happy, healthy, and hi, everybody. Look out for the next web zoom uh,
2: call with nautilus botanicals february 22nd wednesday that one's going to be focusing
0: on how we can help reentry in the cannabis field so please. all right all right good and for me you can reach me at greenhaven media at joe the weed guy and uh, at cannabis corner radio we're all over social media thank you everybody for joining us thank you jason thank you lou thank you harry We'll see you all next week.
2: I was gonna clean my room until I got high. I was gonna get up and find the broom,
1: but then I got high. My room is still messed up and I know why. Yeah, why, cuz I got high because I got
2: high.